Hey, good morning, Ryan. Thank you so much for taking time and talking to me this morning. How have you been? I've been great. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Absolutely. Uh, Ryan, uh, let's just get started by just having you do a quick intro. Like, what do you do? Which company do you represent? Like, what's the kind of work that you've done, doing? Yeah, I run demand gen for a company called Aptitude 8. Uh, we are an elite HubSpot solutions partner. Um, we're not your typical HubSpot partner, which is mostly marketing agencies. We focus specifically on RevOps and marketing ops uh, within the HubSpot space. So no creative, nothing like that. But we are highly technical and, and very focused on that ops. Awesome. I just wanted to start with RevOps. I think it's a recently coined name and then not too many people actually understand, right? And I like was reading and it, it was actually coined to drive that sales alignment, which is what like we talk uh, a lot in, in ABM, right? So what's your definition of RevOps, right? And what are the process involved? So can you just help us to demystify the term and then so it becomes a popular sort of an acronym? Yeah, I, I only pretty recently before joining Aptitude 8, heard the term RevOps. Hmm. Uh, I had heard sales operations for years um, and had started to you know, learn more about marketing operations. But I see RevOps as kind of the overarching umbrella that covers hmm. marketing ops, sales ops, and uh, even customer success ops. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think I was just doing this research, right? Apparently, it was coined in 2016, so it's fairly new, right? And, and then I think there's a reason why we've not heard about it, right? Uh, so what, what do you think is the difference, right, between a sales operations, right, marketing operations, and combining the, this into RevOps? Uh, are there specific set of activities that sort of goes through that independently does not go through when you like refer to sales op, right? Uh, we'll come to HubSpot also, and I think that's where you specialize in. So, so I just wanted to just get a view on what exactly do you as part of RevOps, anything specific at all? Yeah, I think it comes down to alignment. Um, mm -hmm. At previous companies, I've seen like sales teams own sales ops there's somebody that you know reports up the sales structure marketing teams own marketing ops uh but those people are they're not necessarily aligned they're hmm. aligned with the teams they support hmm. um but not with each other and i think that's a really really critical piece that RevOps brings is that it forces some alignment between your operations uh teams Hmm. in a way that if you have like more siloed marketing and sales, it doesn't happen. Right. And and you guys implement RevOps like using the HubSpot platform, right? So, and I think that's very specialized on. Um, so can you talk about the process? Let's say there is a customer who wants to do it. Like if there is some kind of a qualification that they go through before you start working with them. So just talk us through that process, right? So the, the reason I'm talking about uh, this particular activity is, I think, what we are eventually going to talk a lot about is how do you do ABM, right, using HubSpot as a platform, right? Uh, before that, I just wanted to cover this, right? So what's the process in terms of setup, right? Uh, what are the different roles that, that you typically have working on HubSpot uh, doing RevOps activities? 
Yeah, typically, um, in order to kind of, I guess, qualify for needing RevOps support, you you typically have a, a pretty built out marketing and or sales team already. Hmm. Um, and what happens when, as you build out your, your go-to-market teams, is you get a lot of people going into your CRM, uh, inputting data, updating things, creating workflows, and eventually you get kind of like a spaghetti mess that right. there are automations happening and you, you just don't know really what's causing them or how they're interacting. Um, some of them are duplicative or cancel each other out. Uh, and that's that's typically where uh, at, at that point when you're when you, you start to get unmanageable um, hmm. in terms of your your CRM is when you need to bring in marketing ops or rev ops to help really straighten out, make sure that there's there's process in place that those teams are following in order to preserve data hygiene. Uh, it also helps like optimize conversion rates, all kinds of, of behind the scenes benefits to having a really clean CRM, you know, a plan for automation and for integrations and knowing where your data is going and, and what it's doing. Hmm. So how do you enforce this? Right. So like, like much, uh, advanced CRM, like let's say Salesforce or other platforms, right? So I think the control, the governance part of it is not something that like HubSpot provides a lot of tools, at least from my understanding, from the limited use that I've, right? So how do you enforce this data quality hygiene, right? So is there some kind of layering that you can build or how does it all work? Well, it, as any salesperson that has ever used Salesforce will tell you, it's very frustrating to go in and try and update a deal and be hit by a bunch of validation rules saying you need to fill out all of these things in this way. And what I've witnessed when that happens is a lot of times salespeople will just throw in bad data into required mm -hmm. fields or use a, a catch-all field like notes uh, in order to just put in all of the data that they either don't have a place for um, or isn't isn't uh, available as a property. Hmm. Hmm. So the way HubSpot, I think you, you can treat your your sales team with a little more um, a little more dignity and respect. And and what I always like to do is is keep it simple. Um, yeah. I want to talk to those team members. I want to see how they work, uh, what processes they're already using. And then see if I can build something that uh, is simple enough that they can integrate it into their processes, um, but it still allows us to capture accurate data, not too many like open text fields. Hmm. Um, so I'm, tr I'm trying not to disrupt their workflow uh, right. while also pr preserving data hygiene. Hmm. How do you do that? So you still have to have validations. I think that's another problem with custom fields, right? Uh, as soon as you have administrative rights, you start like creating a bunch of these custom fields and then nobody knows what exactly it's created for. And then I think uh, the way it's configured and things like that, right? So you start creating this data silos, right? So the same or the multiple fields having different 
or the same information right is is like mm-hmm. sort of like split between two different fields and things like that so how do you control of all of that and i think more importantly so how, how do you get started do you run a some sort of a template based on a stage uh, the stage of a company the kind of uh, let's say the processes that might they might be using which may not be optimized already right so do you uh, start clean slate or do you sort of uh, like build upon what they already have how, how how do you guys approach this i i think most of the customers that we're working with are uh on the higher side of mid market or um the low side of enterprise so that in that case they are either newly implementing the crm uh, hmm. or they've had it for years and there's a ton of stuff already built in it right. um when they're newly implementing they're usually migrating from something else so right. even though it's a new hubspot instance they already have a bunch of processes that need to be hmm. recreated hmm. so i don't think in that like mid market to enterprise uh tier of customer that there's any sort of example of like a cookie cutter you know out of the box implementation hmm. um hubspot really allows you just in the last couple of years they've they've added a bunch of extensibility features like custom objects um hmm. custom coded actions and workflows that kind of thing hmm. that allow you to uh really extend hubspot in in terms of its data model in terms of use cases um so anytime we're we're doing an implementation it's not a a template it is customized for that company's Hmm. business needs got it okay uh let's talk a little bit on abm right so what has been your experience with abm so thank you we talk uh quite a bit on abms so what has been your experience and then let's just switch to how can somebody get started with their abm programs right with uh, with hubspot nothing in most cases right especially in my experience right so they have some crm some marketing automations that's already set up in 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 uh, in hubspot right and then they are not ready right to to go into a pure play abm platforms right and i think there are a lot of such customers and i think it's going to be really useful so just talk about both these questions right so your own experience with abm and then how can you and how have you seen hubspot being used for abm programs yeah my experience with abm started actually before i really knew of that as a term Mm-hmm. um one, once i heard about abm i was like oh i've been doing this which is always a a good realization yeah, yeah uh but i was working for a fintech company we were selling technology for um a certain type of financial advisor that works with alternative mm-hmm. investments and that was really nice and really lent itself to abm because um with sec fi- filings we were mm-hmm. able to just like download a list of the companies that uh that utilize these sorts of investments. Okay. Um so th- that really lent itself to an ABM approach. Uh like I said I didn't know that we were doing ABM at the time. Hmm. But um we were doing kind of a a scrappy the the like Mason Cosby scrappy ABM playbook of um like identifying those target accounts, tagging them in HubSpot as target accounts, and then using uh LinkedIn ads pretty extensively because LinkedIn 
I think more so than Google or Facebook or, or other advertising options has really, really accurate um, employment data. So yeah. you're, you're, when people get a new job, they update LinkedIn. Uh, you know that you're hitting the right people, the right job titles, the right companies uh, when you're advertising through LinkedIn. So that just that combination of LinkedIn ads and HubSpot was just a, a really low budget, easy way for us to do ABM without buying super expensive software like a, a Sixth Sense or a Terminus. Um, I did end up using Terminus at another company later on. I, I implemented an ABM program and the... It was a, a little bit, um, a little bit more difficult for us to identify the types of companies uh, that would be using our technology. So we had to get kind of kind of creative with a few different um, a few different ways. We were using intent data. We were using uh, some. It, it was in the the health industry. So again, we were using like some regulatory information. And that helped us identify those companies. And we used Terminus to uh, put out display ads because it it was an industry that was a little bit less uh, likely to be active on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, okay, okay. Hmm. And and do you have did you have any kind of integration with HubSpot in, in that particular project? Uh, when I was using Terminus, I was working in a company that used HubSpot and Salesforce. So we were mm -hmm. integrating everything through Salesforce. Mm -hmm. um, that's actually a big part of the reason why we chose Terminus is because mm -hmm. uh, they had a better Salesforce integration than the other ABM platforms that we were looking at. And we really wanted that data to be able to get into Salesforce and then we could send it to HubSpot and other platforms through those integrations. Hmm. What are this data and how have you used, if you recall, I'm sure it's been a while, but as much as you can remember, right? Like, I'm curious to know what is the workflow that your data flow that you have set up, right, between these three systems, right? So where does it start? Where does it end? And wh who does what? A lot of the stuff we were looking at was uh, either intent data, where we could sync the the topics that they were searching across platforms, or um, the latest website visit, number of website visits, just all that anonymous web visit data, and tying that to a company. And that was um, in Terminus, is it? Was it yeah, in Terminus? That, okay. That, was that in sank from Terminus into Salesforce, and then right. we put that data into HubSpot and used it for things like account scoring, um, and to to trigger certain automations. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. And so, so let's say somebody don't have access to Terminus or a platform like ours, then how can they still do uh, their ABM or at least get started with their ABM, right? So th just through HubSpot, like what are the different, let's say, capability uh, that HubSpot has, right? How does it start? Like, so somebody who's, let's say, as uh, using C, uh, HubSpot as a CRM, maybe doing some like bulk emailing, th things like that, right? So, and, and I've seen a lot of 
inquiries, right, for starting to ABM who are at that particular stage. So, right, so before they start uh, sort of like investing on tech platforms, right? And I, and I think you rightly said, right, so this crappy ABM is what they should start with, right? So how can uh, they start use HubSpot to do scrappy ABM? I think the first step with with any ABM process is just identifying your target accounts. Um, and there are some things that HubSpot provides that, that can make that a little bit easier. So they just out of the box, they have something called HubSpot Insights, which will populate any company record with a bunch of information, um, company size, estimated annual revenue, uh, there's even a property for the the technologies that they use. Hmm. So that's something that uh, at Aptitude 8, we use pretty extensively because we are looking for companies that either use HubSpot or use a competitor to HubSpot and might be interested in switching. Hmm. Um, there's also some some additional technologies that we might look at to, to say like, oh, this company uses high touch. That means that they're at a level of sophistication that we would probably be interested. So using HubSpot Insights, you can um, just totally out of the box before you pay for something like Zoom Info or Clearbit, um, you can use some firmographic data to, to really uh, narrow down the list of companies that you're looking at. So that's, that's the first step. You just got to identify target accounts. Uh, and I would say like a general rule of thumb is look at the number of sales reps you have and multiply that by five or 10. And that's how many target accounts, the tier one target accounts you should identify. Once you have your list of target accounts, um, you can start using HubSpot, uh, either automations or uh, their active lists to segment them by behavior they're doing. You can use, uh, there are lead score properties that are not, not specific to contacts. You can actually create them on the account level so you can score accounts. Right. Um, you can use uh, calculated properties to roll up data from all of the contacts at an account onto the account record. And when you use all of those things in combination, you can really segment your target list in really interesting ways so that you can get more specific with your messaging. And then I think the the third thing, and this is like the powerhouse one that really differentiates HubSpot from, uh, from other platforms, is you can create landing pages with dynamic content so that they, with pretty low effort, um, you can make them appear as if they are custom built for every single client. So to do that, you you might um, create a property on a company record to store the logo of that company. Mm -hmm. And then using that property, you can dynamically insert it into an email or a landing page. And then it looks like it, it is specifically designed for that company. And you are using some of the uh, information that you know from segmenting uh, your companies in order to, you know, maybe just create a handful of really specific landing pages or email campaigns 
and then dynamically inserting information about the company so that it appears really customized. Got it. Uh, how do you plug in ads as a channel, right? So without like using another, like an ABM platform, right? So how do you integrate channels? Yeah, specifically advertising. And then we'll also talk about social media and other channels. Yeah, HubSpot makes that super easy. There's a an advertising add-on. Um, it might be native to the, the marketing hub, but um, at one point, at least it was an add-on. But that allows you to pull some of those segmented lists that I was talking about before directly into ad platforms like LinkedIn, Google, or Facebook. So you're, you're not having that the to manually upload a list of companies. It'll actually dynamically update as data in your CRM updates. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you wanted to show a series of ads to companies that have an active deal in your pipeline. If you are doing it without HubSpot and your ad platform integrated, then what you're having to do is once a month, you're exporting a list of all of your deals and you're uploading that list into your ad platform. It's highly manual. It's not dynamic at all. If someone drops out on the second of the month, then you're still serving ads to them until you do your next upload. When you go through the HubSpot ads platform to integrate with LinkedIn, for example, you can just have that list appear in your uh, LinkedIn ads manager as an audience, and it will dynamically update every time a deal closes or, or, is, um, or changes information. If a new deal comes in, they'll be added to it. It's a really simple way for people to dip their foot into ABM advertising uh, without paying for like an enormous ABM platform that can cost mm. you, you know, tens of thousands of dollars at least. Sure. And how do you plug in something like a, an intent, right? Are there live integrations or are you just to export, import, or how does it work? Yeah, there's HubSpot has so many integrations. I know Bombora... Uh, is a really popular one that has an integration. Um, I like to think about intent. It I found that things like Bombora that uh, use data based on searching and, and outside of your own website right. um, data to be kind of hit and miss. So, sometimes it's really good, but uh, sometimes it, it surfaces inaccurate things. Plus, you never know like it could be one person at a company searching something and they may be outside of the your ICP in terms of like job titles. They're, maybe yep. they're not a decision maker. So those are kind of tough. I do think that um, the way that HubSpot allows you to put a tracking code on your website and then see how individual contacts, what, what pages they're looking at, that kind of thing, you can really easily surface which contacts are looking at high intent contact content on your website. Um, You can look at ad interactions on the contact record. You can sync all of that stuff, uh, roll it up into the company record. So I really like to think about intent more in terms of first party data where you're, you're seeing, 
Right. Yeah. Are they going to our product pages? Right. I think third-party intent is useful for like a first-level segmentation, right? To do some experiments, and, and I think more reliable intent is around what you can make out through website visits, content consumption, and then ad interactions and all of that. I agree. Um, is there a way to plug in any organic social media interactions, right, through AppSpot? So that like bunch of things that you need to do when you're doing ABM, right? It's not ads, it's not emailing, right? It's not even cold calling, right? When you have to get into these, uh, especially social, right? So it's becoming really popular and people are able to do it very successfully, right? So how do you not lose out on those interactions? How, like, how do you make use of that data in, in your own uh, ABM programs and as well as the, the ones that you do it for your customers or clients? Yeah, a, a tool that I've just started using uh, is something called Hublead. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an app that integrates uh, LinkedIn data into HubSpot and vice versa. So if I go to a LinkedIn company page, there will be a, a button on that page that Hublead puts in there that says, see decision makers. And when mm-hmm. you click on that, it'll show you a list of the decision makers and you can add them to your CRM. It's very similar to the functionality that like a sales navigator uh, would give you, but mm-hmm. it is specific to HubSpot. So it it shows you who's in your CRM. If I go to the like conversations view, the messages in LinkedIn, I can sync uh, my conversations directly to that contact record and they show up in the contact record as... LinkedIn messages back and forth. So that's something uh, we just introduced that uh, into our sales team. Um, so they are now syncing their conversations and, and they can actually add contacts from LinkedIn directly into HubSpot with just the push of a button. It's interesting. And how do you make use of this data? Uh, do you create some automations or anything like that? Or do you use it for lead scoring? How do you make use of this data? Uh, you definitely could. I think that especially if you're, you know, what we've been talking about ABM, account-based marketing, but if you're thinking about it more as like account, account-based engagement where it sure. is truly marketing and sales together, um, that's when it becomes really useful. So you can look at, at reporting and just look at like activity levels and, uh, filtered by target account. Um, Typically in in a more tactical manner, what we're doing is uh, if a member of our sales team goes to the contact record and they see someone else on our team has already had a LinkedIn conversation with someone. Hmm. Hmm. Um, For example, I am not on our sales team, but I just because I'm very active on LinkedIn, we'll get a lot of messages saying, you know, hey, can you help me out with this specific problem? I can then just sync that to the the company record or the the contact record in HubSpot, and uh, if our sales team is then working that company later and they see that, they can reach out to me and say, "Hey, can you do a warm introduction?" Instead of that information being totally siloed in LinkedIn where they would have no idea that I've ever had a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. So that's very interesting. I'm going to check this tool out. Uh, 
so in the activity view so they see you as somebody who's connected to the particular account is that how they would see it they they would see it would just be if it was a a message exchanged between us hmm. that so you that I've should have interacted well. with them before yeah yeah it's a, so I if if I had a conversation with them and then there's a, a little button I can push to sync the conversation to HubSpot, then uh, that puts it into HubSpot on on the contact record as an activity, the same way that um, like it. Okay. them replying to an email hmm. would show up. Okay, okay. So based on that, and if they see uh, an opportunity to go and then connect with them, so they and 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 how does the intros work? So do you? I'm assuming you have to go to LinkedIn and then do that, isn't it? Connecting both of them through uh, an email or like messaging or an, anything like that. So there's no automation around that, right? You can't do this with an in-mail, sorry, what is the tool called? Hub, hub mail, is it? Hub, hub lead. Hub lead, hub lead. Okay, so you you have to do that process manually. Right? Yeah, that uh, once once a salesperson, you know, reaches out to me and says, hey, Connect do me. you know this person? Have You know, I saw your conversation with them then that's that's a manual process where i would probably shoot them a message on linkedin or an email if i have their email and just say you know hey i'd like to introduce you to david on our sales team uh and then they could take the the relationship from there cool right and just sticking with abm right so what are some common mistakes right so you you've done abm before using platform as well as right so like this copy ABM that we talked about, right? Um, I think Mason talks about like podcasts as one of the primary channels. So I don't know if there are any tools that exist that can also be like integrated, right? So take a lot of insights into that, right? So maybe there is a tool that somebody's building, right? But like, what are some common mistakes? What are some advices that you would give to practitioners, especially who are getting started, right? Uh, where they just start with the, uh, HubSpot, mature it, and then possibly just take it to platforms and do like a scaled ABM. I think if you're just starting out, uh, don't jump straight into buying a big ABM tool. Uh, a lot of times that's what will happen. A, a CEO or a CRO will say, we're going to do ABM now. Find us a, a platform to use. And that's not the way to approach it. It's um, you. You really want technology to to make your processes more efficient, not to define your processes. So when you're first getting started, like really do a DIY version of it, where you are figuring out your target account list. You are, as we talked about before, running ads through. LinkedIn based on audiences you created in HubSpot, do it low budget. Um, and then if that's working for you, and it's not just for marketing, it's working for sales, it's creating qualified deals. Um, sales is on board with the the strategy and is doing account based uh, reporting, I think metrics are really important. So it, instead of like, a a revenue goal, you might also layer in a revenue goal at target accounts where 
additional deals that are outside of a target account are nice. You know, that's still money. But if you're truly taking an account based approach, you should be looking at penetration into your target accounts as as the primary goal. So if you do it for a little bit in this DIY version and you're seeing an uptick in that penetration, sales is happy with with the leads that marketing is bringing in. That's when you want to start thinking, okay, how can we scale this with a, a an ABM platform or some other type of tool? How does your how, how does your uh, ABM dashboard look? Right. So, what are the different reports, analytics that you track? Right. So, I think you covered a couple of it, but like, what would be a, a fully built dashboard? Right. So, on HubSpot, right, and making sure that you're tracking everything that you wanted to possibly track. I think it looks just like probably your standard, you know, lead or or MQL based marketing dashboard. Uh, Same with sales, like a a typical sales pipeline dashboard. Um, The only difference is you're filtering by target accounts. Instead of looking at how many MQLs have you created, it's how many MQLs have you created at target accounts. And you might even have a... um, almost like a leaderboard type uh, report where you're showing you know the the a list of your target accounts and then next to it how many MQLs have we created how many deals have we created uh, so that you're you're truly like looking at okay specifically this is you know our number one target account how are we doing there what what are the our typical marketing and sales metrics, but specific to that single company? And I think that's an adjustment that people have to kind of get used to. Not not thinking about uh, contact based metrics where you're you're looking at a total number of MQLs and really thinking about it on an account level. Hmm. Um, so would that be know, a, a rolled up kind of a metric? So what you would have been typically tracking at a lead level so you roll it up to account is that how you approach or do you come up with a different formula um it could be it could just be a a filter on it um depending on what you're looking at i think there are stats that you can roll up such as one that i use pretty frequently uh was like website visits by account uh, where I was taking every contact at a, a target account and then rolling that up and seeing, okay, how many total web visits did this company have from contacts that we know about? Um, so things like that. Web, web visits is probably a bad example, but you get the idea. Just like any stat that you're looking at or at an individual contact level, you can look at at an account level. Hmm. And how do you track... Progression, for example, are there like specific reports that you use or are you like, like, is there a trend graph or like, I'm just trying to visualize and then see like, how do you manage that, right? So you wanted to make sure that you have like deeper insights, especially on your target accounts, especially the one-on-one-to-one kind of an account, right? So your tier one, tier one accounts. Yeah. What are the I best was, the The primary way that I was thinking about it was account stages. Uh, So this is similar to like a life cycle stage for a contact, but Mm. at an account level. So we were thinking about it in terms of um, 
Like at the very top, you have accounts that have no interaction with you. They may or may not know that you even exist. Uh, and then the next stage below that is are one or more contacts from that account uh, visiting our website. And then stage below that, you know, are one or more contacts at the account have they become an MQL? Has sales reached out to them? Do they have an opportunity? Are they a customer? Um, so you're trying to to kind of move accounts through that funnel. And you can do that in a way where you can see kind of like the width of of the bar. And when you start, it's gonna the fattest bar is gonna be at the top. And you wanna see that slowly shift over time so that eventually you know, the, the very top one is maybe the second highest bar. And then your second stage is higher. That means that you're, you are moving accounts gradually through that funnel. Um, while at the same time, I think, uh, as you're creating the criteria that go into these stages, you need to think about time bounds. So if you have, you know, say stage two is one contact has visited the website. Well, if that's, ever, if they've ever visited the website, that's not super helpful because they could have visited it five years ago. That's right. That person may not be at that job anymore. Nobody may know about you. So you want to do it in terms of, you know, the last quarter, the last six months, last 30 days, wh whatever makes sense um, for, for that metric. And then that way, you're not only having people move down the funnel, but they can actually regress back up um, if they stop having interactions with you. If you have a, a deal with them and then that deal becomes closed lost, then they're going to bump back up to the previous level. Uh, if you have no MQLs at that company in the last six months, then they probably don't deserve to be at that MQL stage. So you're, you're really seeing these these bars shift over time and ideally you want everything to be weighted down at the bottom but realistically when you're starting it's it's very top heavy sure and all of this are managed through different filters is it custom fields or other existing fields right so they control right or do you write some kind of a code script to to manage that how, how does it work you can do this totally no code um you can create custom lifecycle stage properties if you're in HubSpot. You can create uh, custom reports, funnel reports. Um, you could have uh, like a, a deal pipeline. Um, if you're using a custom object for target accounts to kind of separate it out from your, your typical company records, then you can create a, a pipeline for a custom object. So there's a, a variety of different ways that you can look at this. How do you plug in uh, an inbound? So let's say there's a, an account that you've not identified as a target account, but later they come inbound, or right? Mm -hmm. This assuming your inbound engine is working, right? So how do you sort of bring them? Where do you stack them? And then how do you deal with uh, those accounts? Which stage does um, it go through? Yeah, I, I think it depends on on how your inbound is set up. If you are using, you know, lead generation forms where you're, uh, you know, 
having people fill in an email address for an ebook, then they may or may not uh, really enter that funnel beyond just like they've been to the website. Um, if you're using more of a demand gen strategy where pretty much the only form that you have is is a high intent, you know, contact us or request a demo, then they could jump straight into MQL opportunity, you know, w- w- whatever it is uh, that where that high intent form fits in. So potentially you can have demand gen programs, right? Still being executed through HubSpot and also have another pipeline basically to nurture your target accounts, right? Is that that typical setup that you have? Um, I think with demand gen, I mean, you can make demand gen be account-based. It's, I I think account-based marketing is something that you can just layer on top of other marketing strategies. You can have account-based marketing that incorporates inbound. You can have it that incorporates demand gen. You can have ABM that incorporates cold emailing and and outreach. It's more about how you think about, uh, how you're thinking about metrics and how you're targeting your marketing. I just wanted to quickly check on the CMS part of the HubSpot offering, right? So does that help? Does that scale for an ABM way of, uh, let's say, demand gen or uh, pipeline acceleration or even customer marketing, right? So do you feel or do you know that if it's a good fit, CMS is a platform from HubSpot, right? So does it scale well? I think HubSpot scales incredibly well. You've obviously got the different tiers. Uh, there are free offerings for every hub, starter, professional, all the way up to enterprise. And the the benefit of that is as your company grows, you can upgrade it. Um, if you have a really tough year, uh, you know, we're, we're obviously in a, a questionable economic climate right now. Mm. You can scale it back. You, you can... Um, you know, drop it back down a tier if you need to free up some funds for other things. Got to be careful with that because any features that you're losing there, you need to make sure the processes uh, that you have in place are redesigned. Um, So I I think it does scale incredibly well. HubSpot, uh, as I mentioned before, has also added a ton of extensibility features so custom objects was a huge one. Um, Operations Hub allows you to do a lot more with uh, data sync between platforms. Um, it introduced custom coded actions into workflows, which if you have a dev on your team, allows you to do all kinds of stuff. Hmm. It's also got a an app ecosystem that is growing super rapidly. Right. Uh, and there's a, a lot of features that are you can just tack on to... HubSpot. Uh, a lot of those apps are free or at least have a free version. So I think as your your company grows, you can do more and more with the platform. Um, mm. One that comes up all the time, and, and this isn't terribly ABM related, it's, it's more sales, but uh, is CPQ. People that love Salesforce are like, oh, I could never use HubSpot because you can't do CPQ. Right. Um, and that 
is just no longer true. There's there's a variety of different ways that you can achieve that, whether um, it is using a, a third-party app. Um, I did a webinar with a company called Squid, uh, S-K-U-I-D, that showed how you can basically use their app on top of HubSpot uh, to build CPQ. Their HubSpot just introduced a beta for um, CRM cards that allows you to create CPQ as a, a CRM card and, and you can do it directly on the, the deal record. So the, the options for extending HubSpot, scaling with HubSpot are growing every single year. I don't think there's any other platform that is introducing features as quickly uh, and scaling up uh, to enterprise as quickly as HubSpot. I was, was yeah, going to no, ask about uh, custom objects. I think you referred to it a couple of times, right? So what are some use cases that uh, that you implement, right, through custom objects? I know custom fields, and we use it extensively in our own CRM, but I'm interested. I'm curious about custom objects. Yeah, how you use custom objects is really going to depend on your company, your industry. Um, so obviously, Aptitude 8 is a professional services company. Uh doing consulting. So some ways that we utilize it are we have our um, we have two different types of engagements we do, which are projects and retainers. Right. Uh, retainers is obviously like a, a monthly ongoing situation where a project has like a set objective uh, start date and end date, that kind of thing. So we will create custom object records for every project, every retainer. Um, and those will store things like, uh, the project team who is on it project mm -hmm. team, uh, is actually a separate custom object that we have as well. Oh, um, okay. so we are, we are associating those things together. So we have, if you think about the, when a company comes through our marketing and sales process, uh, a, a deal is created that's associated with the the company and the contact when that deal closes and um, it turns into a project, we will associate the project to that company and that deal. And then when we kick off and a delivery team is assigned, we will associate the delivery team there. And then we've got some, uh, you know, fancy custom coded workflows that will actually associate the members of the delivery team the the contact records to that company as well and then we're using the association labels to denote mm -hmm. who's an employee who is you know say the hubspot sales rep that that brought them to us uh who on our team is actually working the project as a project lead or an associate so that's that's one example that's specific to professional services mm. um i also just uh, worked on a video, which uh, should be out shortly, later this week. Um, it'll, it'll be out by the time this podcast comes out. That goes over how you can build a data model with custom objects for a, a PLG company. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so with product-led growth, your, your goal is obviously to get people to sign hmm. up for a free trial. And then hopefully by using that free trial you convert them to a, a paid customer. Hmm. So we've built custom objects for free trial accounts and 
uh, full app accounts. Okay. And then you can use, you can store uh, product data on those records. So if you have your product integrated with HubSpot, or if it's a web app, you can just use the HubSpot tracking code. Uh, you can actually get activity into those records and you can see when mm. people have logged in. You can mm. see uh, what features they're using, that kind of thing. And then you can trigger automation off of that stuff. Mm. So if you have an onboarding plan, you can email them when I, they sign up, when when the free trial object record is created, mm. when they use certain objects or certain um, features within your product, you can shoot them an, an email saying like, how is your experience with this? Or I saw you use this feature. The next step would be to use this other feature. And you can draw them into that free trial in a way where they're going to get a lot more out of it than if mm. you just like let them play around on their own. Mm. Very interesting. I'm going to check this out. Uh, it looks like I think you sort of create views based on the basic core entities and then create an extend right so hubspot features through custom objects and i think you you talked about the example where, where how your team sort of engages with your client and and i was thinking that the vendor management or a partner management can be achieved through custom objects right absolutely partner management is a huge one um there's a company called reveal hmm. that is is really pushing boundaries in in the partnership space and we have done some work with them to, to basically turn partnerships into a custom object in HubSpot. And then um, we're working on like a, a commission structure. So, so you're making sure that when your partners are, are bringing you in on a deal, then they're actually getting, you know, you can see on the, the partnership record, like the total amount of commissions they've got across all of the deals that they've brought in, that kind of thing. Great. Uh, Ryan, I think it's top of our and we covered a bunch of things, right? We started with RevOps and we talked a lot about HubSpot, ABM, everything in between. Thank you so much again. Thanks for your time. Um, any any parting thoughts, any comments that you have? Uh, no, just thank you for having me. This has been a blast. Um, I, I haven't gotten to really like dig into ABM in a while mm. uh, since since I was working at my last company. So this was like a, a nice little flashback. Very nice. Thank you.